spin. Where did you dig up that old fossil? Going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. That's not a moment. We're all fine here. No, thank you. How are you? Welcome to the Star Wars Nerds Podcast. I'm Dan Vatabonker. I'm Kenton Larson. And Kenton, I've started my uh, Christmas movie run. Uh, so similar to what I did in October, uh, where I watched a horror movie every day for the month of October, I'm watching a Christmas movie every day this month, uh, up until Christmas, up until the 25th. And then I'm going to watch uh, New Year's Eve movies for that last week, any movie that takes place around New Year's Eve. Um, so it's, it's, you know, if you have any suggestions for me, I know I know, I know your favorite Christmas movie is The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I mean... But, uh, I pulled that out of my butt a few years ago when we did that uh, podcast, but now I pretty much have to like say it every year or else people think I wasn't serious. So now, well, now I have to dig in. I have to dig in and say it's my favorite. But you're going to start the new debate. It's not going to be Die Hard anymore. It's going to be Empire Strikes right. Back. That's the Better new debate. Yes, exactly. Because I'm tired of the Die Hard debate, yeah, right? Who cares? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, last night I watched uh, a new movie, actually. It's just, it just came out on Crave TV here in Canada and HBO Max in the US, and it's called 8-Bit Christmas. Uh, have you yeah. seen this one? Have you heard of this one at all? Um, I may have heard of it. I mean, maybe even seen a trailer, but okay. remind me, what is Neil, it? Neil Patrick Harris is the only name you would recognize. Yes, uh, uh, he I have plays, seen the trailer. Okay, he, and he plays yeah. the grown-up dad who narrates the story, so he's not in it much. It's his voiceover, and he he appears. It's kind of like uh, The Princess Bride in that way, where there's the narration. Um, but really what this movie is, is it's, it's a Christmas story with, for the Nintendo generation. That's all it is. Instead of a BB gun, it's a Nintendo entertainment system. Instead of the 40s, it's the 80s. It's the exact same thing. It's like instead of like for us, you know, a Christmas story came out in the 80s and it was about a previous generation's childhood, right? This came out now, but it is still about a previous generation's childhood. So it's a very much like just a carbon copy almost of a Christmas story. Um, is it like a remake or a- no not at all and it's what? funny because even no there's nothing to do with the christmas story nothing but in the trailer you know how it the- was in a trailer when I, even the trailer looks like it's a remake well in the trailer they say a new christmas story like they use that wording in the in the text is at one point in the trailer and so so yes they're very deliberately like you know saying this is inspired by a christmas story it's not exactly the same but there's there's some differences and and it is focused on the nintendo entertainment system so it's a nintendo video game system so there's all kinds of jokes around that uh it takes place in the 80s so there are some fun nostalgic things around that as well but overall i don't think it's going to become a, a classic um i would certainly you should you know watch it for fun it's it's an enjoyable movie there's some de- genuine laughs in there um but uh, i don't know if it's going to be a, an annual favorite in my household so so it was good. So you seem to be sort of saying it was good and bad. Yeah, I was. It was. It was just. It just going. I mean, maybe it's better if you go in there expecting a, a copy of of Christmas Story. That's pretty much. I I didn't know that's what it was when I went into it, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see what this is. And it's immediately apparent because they have like the main character, the annoying younger sibling, a bully who chases and beats them up, uh, a, a ragtag group of buddies with all different like characteristics and stuff like that. Like, it's exactly, you know, you've seen this movie a million times, even not even a Christmas story is, is not even that original in that respect. <laughs> but, uh, but this, like, cause it's a Christmas movie and because it's a, uh, um, marketed this way i just think uh they're just going all in and uh the dad is played by steve zahn who 
you know, that makes me think of a, a Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie, which I probably sh- you probably have not seen those movies, but I'm very familiar with the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. Uh, I love Steve Zahn, though. He's good, usually, yeah, but yeah. this is pretty much the same character he's playing in those. He's just like the annoying dad, and, you know, and again, it's very, he does these weird things around the house, just like the dad in A Christmas Story. Like, he's always messing with stuff, and like, or there's this gag where he's like, nobody gets to touch the cookies and all. It's very, very similar. There's a lot of very similar uh, beats and that kind of stuff in this, so. Do they anyway. give any credit to the original Christmas story? Not that of, I can uh, see. Not that no, I can tell. No, no. inspiration. No, no if, if anything, the writings of John Shepard. I mean, I didn't see that uh, unless John Shepard wrote a, a story about Nintendo. Uh, this seems to be sponsored by Nintendo. <laughs> In the end, it really does seem to be about the the Nintendo Entertainment System, which by 1988 I don't think was that high on anybody's Christmas wish list. Like, sure, it was a something mm-hmm. you wanted, but most people I knew had a Nintendo by '88, right? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I would, I would have. You're older. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm older. And uh, there was a period like after I had in television past its prime. And so there was a lot of stuff that came after that, that I was just like, nah, nah, nah. Like I took a break yeah. first for a long stretch. And I, th- that was probably one of those breaks that I took. Yeah. And then there was exactly. that Sega Genesis time. And then there was that, yeah. and you, you can kind of, <laughs> you can kind of go through um, all of those, but I don't remember wanting one. Mm-hmm. This to me, this seems like a movie that was kind of created for a very specific purpose, marketed to a very specific audience, and I think because of that, it's not going to stand the test of time. Like I don't think it's going to no. be around. Um, like a Christmas story is a Christmas story is, is a very different type of movie, um, despite the fact that it's very similar to this movie. Um, but I think it's much better, and I will Even be watching it this month. Oh, the bully! The bully! Ugh, the, the bully. bully yeah, uh, I, that's the part of the trailer where I'm like, oh yeah, this is just like a wholesale yeah. remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although the kid that plays the bully is pretty funny. I gotta say that 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 was he's good. Like there's there are some genuine laughs. There are some like really funny parts of it. It's just the overall thing is very much like Christmas story. So anyway. I'm just gonna watch a Christmas story. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I'm gonna just keep watch it that. Simple. Um, the other movie, of course, we, we both watched this week was Star Wars, the original Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Uh, as we continue our rewatch of the first six Star Wars films, this, is, of course, has been the best one so far, right? It's better than all the prequels um, and, and your favorite one of the bunch, right? Yes. It's like coming home again. And I mm-hmm. thought, although this time I watched it, I'm, I, every time I watch the original Star Wars, I always think like, what's new? What can I, what else, what's new? What can I bring to this that uh, I might never noticed before? And um, what I thought, maybe it's based on the supply chain issues, but I, I made a note that this movie uh, shows the galaxy in recession after too much irrational exuberance and clone war spending. Okay, that's my economic outlook on this. And uh, I think Warren Buffett would look, would look at episode three and then go, oh, episode four, the depression. We've fallen into a depression after uh, after all that fighting and all those fancy uh, spaceships that were all shined up. Now everything's like kind of in disrepair. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that um, that it does that it's interesting to watch it in the order that we're watching it because it it does seem different. Um, and it's in the look and tone from the prequels, for sure. Yeah, that was reverse engineered that way too, right? Because uh, the the what Star Wars brought to the table originally was the well, I don't know if Star Wars pioneered this, but 
That was one of the early ones that did this, the dirty universe, you know, the idea that that everything is like kind of messy and, oh, this goes here, that goes there. And the whole idea that we're just, it's not like Star Trek where everything is exact and you have a, a capacitor for the thing and all that other stuff, right? And that's kind of, and everybody, we like other movies like Alien took that and ran with it and, and did that. I think Star Wars was the first to do it. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe there's other ones that I'm not thinking of. Silent Running, maybe, the one with um, Bruce Dern and the robots. That was kind of similar. Right, yeah, that was a bit true. bit of a used universe. Anyway, uh, so uh, sorry. Go ahead. I thought of another one. Uh, Logan's Run. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Logan, sort of. Yeah, it was a futuristic, yeah, yeah. but yes, you're right. Anyway, uh, d- how did you watch this? Did you just watch it on Disney Plus? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't do that. I actually watched did something a little bit different. I watched this uh, VHS, VHS tape that I have of Star Wars. Now, this one actually has the original cut of Star Wars on it. So this is a VHS tape. Um, This is actually not, it's not like one of the originals or anything like that, although it does have the original artwork on the front. Uh, This was released in 1990, and actually it has, it's funny, because this VHS tape has an ad for the trilogy on the tape. So you can, (laughs) it's great. I'm going to try and put some audio on the podcast, see if I can convert it somehow and and put it on here. But it's great because it's it's this ad for, you know, Star Wars, see the movie that, that blah, 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 and it's this big ad for it. And then it says, and then see... Empire Strikes Back, and it goes into an ad for Empire Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi, and then it says you can buy each of them separately or get all three at this package, and it shows like the trilogy coming together in a box set, and get the making of Star Wars documentary as an ad- it was like this whole thing about it, like the whole it was almost it almost felt like this was the first time it was being offered as a box set because of this because of the the idea that you would just buy one of these and not buy the other ones, right? That's kind of a foreign concept now. Yeah, it is. It is. So, so, so yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to see that uh, trailer. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find a way to get it off of this this VHS. That's why I love finding VHSs like this. Like I only got this because of the cover art. Because I oh, love right. this cover art. This is like the original. Like it doesn't look anything like the actors. Luke Skywalker's got a very muscular chest, and Leia's showing off a lot of leg there. Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, you know the one thing about watching it like this, and of course this has got nothing, no additional scenes, no digital like this is a as cl- i think this is the theatrical version as far as i know i don't know if anything changed between now and then maybe the sound was remastered or something like that but there are no additional so watching it this way it actually kind of makes me not think of anything else like i don't think of the rest of the star wars universe that is that is happening i just think of what's happening in the film and and it very much makes me feel like i was a kid watching this again because this is the one that i would watch as a kid right this is the version that we loved so i really i really like this uh the ha- having this version and being able to watch it yeah i uh you know the um probably the scenes that they added in 1997 have aged the worst it, like if you're looking for something that looks dated, it's that. Yeah. It's not the original stuff. It's the um, well, this version here. Redid. This version yeah. here with the with the faces. This has some digital stuff added. This is when they started to add more like yeah. creatures and Mos Eisley was getting bigger, and they started kind of digitally adding that kind of stuff. That was before the special edition. Then the special edition came in and like added a whole bunch of crap, and that is now the version of Star Wars that is out there. No, but I, I think, think that, I think that one you have there is the 1997 one. I, I don't think it the, is because it doesn't I think it is. Oh, is it I really? Think that's the first home release that has the updated special effects. Oh, okay. Like, oh, sorry. It was theaters 1997. Yeah, yeah. And then this followed, I think. Yes, you're I right. Think. Okay. Yeah. But that, like, I mean, that kind of stuff. The, the thing is, like, this is all we can see now. We can't, unless you have this VHS tape or a right. version of this, you cannot see this, this version of Star Wars. I think Disney should re release this version. Oh, I actually, think they, though, 
I have the DVDs that have the original. Oh, okay, good. There, one, there, you go. there was one issue of the DVD that had the original, uh, each uh, the original movie and then the updated movie all in one package. So, so yes, it does exist on DVD. Okay, there you go. But I think, honestly, I, I think that, you know, I guess the next anniversary coming up is the 50th. Um, I think they could have released like an edit or let's see the original original theatrical version of, of Star Wars uh, remastered. And this, the, it's, it's a great movie. You don't need all that other stuff. Oh, standing alone. This is really good. There's a lot of really good stuff in here. And I think you, it, the other stuff distracts from some of the things that I completely forgot about that I noticed this time around. Like what? Like, uh, like when, right after uh, Ben is killed uh, and, they go to get on the uh, Falcon. You hear Ben's voice saying, run, Luke, run. And I, I forgot that that happened. I completely forgot about it and all the other chaos that goes on. And that, yeah. that to me, it means, oh, crap, Ben is, like, immediately there. Like, as a ghost, he is immediately there beside Luke helping him, right? He is not, yeah. like, he knew that the, that's the whole thing. The other thing I noticed is that that fight, the, the lightsaber battle that I always, I always trash between Obi-Wan and, and Vader, it's actually not bad. It's actually not no, as bad good. as I remember. But I think it's, fine. I, it's in it's saved in the edit like you can tell the way that fight scene is edited together it looks really good because of the way it's cut and the angles and there's a lot of scenes in this movie that are cut together really well you can tell that the editing and i believe it was his wife right george's wife that edited the film yeah that's right yeah right. marshall lucas and it was just so so well done like just some of those scenes the 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 other one that stands out to me is the um the escape from the death star when they're when they're flying away and fighting off the the tie fighters and the way that those quick cuts together and back and forth and that kind of stuff it's so good yeah uh it it's true that it it shows like george lucas at his best as a director and there there's an there's a fun and excitement to it and even the and i made a note about the jokes are really good too yes this one probably like the best Star Wars jokes, uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 dashing through laser fire. R2-D2's response to the Jawa gun is still funny, um, <laughs> where he just tri- tips over and falls like pure gold. My and, favorite uh, response is the Jawa to Uncle Owen. Yeah. Hey, what are you trying to push on me? What? <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> I, I have a question about that in just a second. Okay. But I also can't get enough of Han Solo stalling in the detention block. <laughs> Where he's like, we're all fine here. How are you? Like yes. that that scene is just freaking great. And it doesn't matter how many times you watch it. That particular that is hilarious. And it's um, I don't know, for some reason it's hilarious and cool. And they're trying to save the princess at the same time, and there's a lot going on. And it's just like the nice confluence of a bunch of different uh, Star Wars things at once. I would you say know, that scene is where them. that movie really starts to feel like Star Wars. When you get all three principal actors together in the same room as they as they start to escape after they rescue her, that is when this becomes Star Wars, and it, it's awesome. It really is. Like the the tone of the movie shifts at that point. It becomes more exciting, more interesting, and the the dynamic between the three of them is so good that whole time like i just love the the the, i mean the lines like the delivery isn't the greatest in some of them it's too fast and that kind of stuff but the lines are really good like some of those lines are really funny you came in that thing you're braver than i thought yeah aren't you a little short for a storm right there's classics yeah classics in there and even um walking carpet and Mm -hmm. the banter uh when they're in the uh, trash compactor Uh, i mean there's just so much it's just so good and what i always say is because it always stands out to me is the movie moves at uh, in its own deliver- deliberate pace, but it all makes sense. But when you look at any single part of it, you're it's kind of weird. It, the pro- the progress from point A to point B 
is like really all over the place. Like to get them like to the throne room at the end from the spaceship at the beginning, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that need to happen. And it never feels as though it's like, first we got to do this. Then we got to do that. Like Rogue One to me still has that. Now she's got to climb up a ladder. Then she's got to get the ticket. Now she's got to go. Then there's a guy up there. Then she's going to get back down. Then like blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, in this Star Wars, in Star Wars, the original, you don't ever get that feeling. Ever, mm-hmm. you're being carried along a stream. Well, you definitely get the feeling that they're just this is just happening to them, and it's just happening to you as well. Like there, yeah, it doesn't feel planned out. It doesn't feel. It feels very organic the way everything happens uh, within the story. Uh, for sure. I, I, the other thing about watching it on the, on the VHS is it does feel like a 70s movie. I don't know if it still feels that way watching it on Disney Plus when it's remastered. In some ways, In some ways like it depends on the, I guess, the the, uh, the dialogue, like some of the ways the acting. Um, Peter Cushing is so good as, as, uh, um, as Grand Moff Tarkin. Like he is just... That is acting from a different time, you know, the way he portrays that villain, that is like classically trained acting and he's so good at it. And I don't know that you would see that in any Star Wars uh, movie anymore at all, right? Even not even Rogue One, where they tried to recreate it in Rogue One. Ah, yeah, the claymation Tarkin just didn't quite hit the, have the nuance. No. Yeah, not, yeah, not quite, not quite. So, okay, so you mentioned, um, uh, Owen Lars and their argument with the Jawas. Okay, so let me lay this on the table because I've never really thought this through. So let me think out loud here. Mm-hmm. So he's mad about uh, R5-D4 with the bad motivator, but Owen's brother is Anakin. Anakin built C-3PO, which he just bought from the Jawas. You could make the argument that in fact, he's bought the droid he already owned, that the family already owned. That should be the main thing that gets him angry. Um, would he have no indication? So C-3PO's memories wipe fine. Mm-hmm. Would, would, uh, would, would Owen Lars have zero way of, no indication whatsoever that this is the droid that his famous notorious brother built? Would he, would, did he, did, were, did we, I guess they were never together. In the no, they, they were because she met Shmi, his mother, oh. who that he built the droid for, was with his dad, right? They yeah. met and he was already born at that point, right? Like he is not Shmi's son, is he? Is he also Shmi's son? He, uh, oh, maybe he is. Yeah. No, wait a sec. No, no, wait a sec. No, Anakin. Oh, wait a sec. They're stepbrothers because Anakin was born of midichlorians. There was no father. <laughs> It's right. It's right. So uh, the <laughs> so the way well, out. Yeah, where? Yeah, where he's just no. He's someone? a step step brother of Anakin and Klieg right. So Klieg married Anakin's mother Shmi, um, and Owen is there is is Klieg's son from a previous marriage. That's what it was. So they're step brothers. Um, so yeah, the droid would have been there. C three PO would have been there at the same time as Shmi was there and Owen. So I mean, unless like I know that protocol droids all kind of look the same. No, Aunt Baru. Sorry, Aunt Baru. Amperu is is the new is the is Luke's aunt, right? Right, but is she? <laughs> I'm so confused. That's okay. He's married to Baru. Owen is married to Baru, but Owen's dad was married to Shmi, which is Anakin's mom, right? Owen is Anakin's stepbrother. Okay, from another marriage. <laughs> yeah, like the Brady Bunch. 
Okay. Brother from another mother. It's like the Star Wars Brady Bunch. You have Shmi. There, there's a story. All right. Yeah, can you say it so I understand? I was trying to, I was, I, I didn't, as you can tell, I didn't spend tons of time thinking about it. I was just kind of going, wait a sec. I was, I was, uh, own this droid. Now I want to make up lyrics to a song that includes her getting killed by sand people. I have to figure that out. And uh, one day, this lady <laughs> met some sand people. And they burned her to a crisp, or was mm, it them? No. Nah, nah, anyway, yeah, that's interesting. And that's the thing, again, I'm not going to harp on this too much, but watching this version of it, I don't think of any of that stuff. I didn't even think of, like, any of the other movies, any of the other thing possibilities, anything else that was happening around this. And now when you watch it, of course, you do think of that stuff because so much has been built up now around this single movie. Uh, so much happens around it that you know of now that you can't help but think of it usually when you watch. So... Yeah, it's no, that's, stuff. that's yeah, but that's true. So you try to see if the rest of it fits. Yep. Um, and speaking of, boy, have Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen aged in the 19 years mm-hmm. since we last saw them. Mm-hmm. And now, Obi-Wan too. Right. But has it been 19 years? Do I have that right? Well, that's, more, that's what it's supposed to be because they get there right as Luke is born. And he is, I think he's 18, actually. Maybe he's 18 in the in the first movie. Um. I mean, Leia's already a senator, right? So somehow she's already been able to elect, be elected a senator at 18. Yeah. I don't know how that works. But, uh, well, also, I mean, Padme was also elected queen somehow at 16. I think she is. How old is she in the first movie? Something like that. Ah, uh, you got me. <laughs> young monarchs is a thing. They love their young monarchs in this, uh, in this world. Actually, so. watching this made me think of the task that Obi-Wan TV series has to, has to uh, establish, has to do. And part of it is, the aging process for Obi-Wan Kenobi and Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, there needs, I mean, of course, it's like, oh, the double Tatooine sun increases the aging process. Of course, it's going to be something like that. But they, but we have to see like them being closer to transitioning to the characters that we know in A New Hope. Yeah, and we saw a, a, a hint of that in Rebels. When we saw Obi Wan in Rebels, it looked more yeah. like the the Alkinus version of, than the than the Ewan McGregor. That's true. Um, now, one thing I want to know is: Are we going to see Owen and, and? It seemed to me that Luke knows Ben Kenobi. Like when he says, "Oh, maybe he means old Ben yeah. Kenobi." It feels like that's like somebody he's met before, right? That they have actually met, or he knows about anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering: Do you think that, like, do you think that Obi Wan and Luke have met? Or is he just an old crazy man that people talk about in the town or what? Like, yeah, I'm wondering what the relationship like is there and, and what we will see in the new series based on what we heard. Cause he will, you're right. They, they will create that new series based on what we hear in that. Those scenes that we just watched in this movie will help inform what that series becomes. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, but I, uh, there is, I mean, one of the things that bugged me about the prequels, like the continuity, I've sort of let go of some of that stuff, but at the time, it was things like that where I was like, "What? Like Obi Wan would look different, and and uh, that and couldn't you get the actor's age to line up properly and sort of, sort of all of that stuff?" But I also think people used to look older sooner, and so like Uncle Owen looked to me when I watched Star Wars originally, I was like, "This guy's 80. but like he's well, not. He's clearly not eighty. But but uh, okay, I just went he to see. Old. Yeah, he does. I don't know how old he actually was when that movie no, was made. Either. 
but um, you know, it's also the, our attitudes around actors have changed. Like we're more we're used to to actors playing their own ages at this point. Teen actors, child actors being better trained and having being able to actually play roles uh, suitable for their age. Because when we were younger, of course, um, all teenagers were played by twenty year olds. Uh, and I, I'm not sure how old Mark Hamill was in, <laughs> when this was shot, but uh, he does not look like a teenager necessarily. Mark Hamill looks like a, a young man in his early twenties, probably. That's probably what he is at this point, right? Yeah, probably. So, so oh, that he has, he has child, he has kid like, right? And and, and there's certainly like a kid. Oh yeah. Oh no, he does. The, the acting is great. Like the acting. Is, I yeah. yeah. It's funny because I used to think that was bad acting, but now I realize that it's excellent. Like it's him doing what he's supposed yeah. to be doing. Right. Um. But uh. But yeah, I think that back then uh, they didn't care as much about how actors looked the age that they should be um for as far as the prequels go i don't know that they ever expected to be back in this in this world when they were making the prequels right they just said oh let's get some actors to play young versions of of brew and and uh and lars and then that was it so that's exactly it that's exactly it i made another note here about um um one of the things you're the audio guy here but one of the things that that um, becomes more evident uh, when I watched uh, the original Star Wars is the um, the post production sound looping. So you've got like some oddly placed like sand people or worse sounds like it was dubbed in. There's something in here sounds dubbed in in the uh, trash compactor and. Um, uh, also, there's a lot of British looking guys whose voice sounds like whose voices sound like John Wayne. And right. you're like, well, that's not that guy's that guy's voice has been dubbed over. I think they did that with everybody, right? All the yeah. Imperials uh, have British have. Uh, oh no, maybe they don't do have Brit- some of them still have British accents. I can't remember which ones, but yeah, they did dub a lot of it, and a lot yeah, of the fighter pilots too. A lot of the fire fighter pilots, of right. course, most famously Wedge, uh, being dubbed. Even the guy crashing into the uh, gold leader crashing into the uh, Death Star, and he goes rah! The scene mm. where he screams, and it's like it doesn't. Re- he doesn't. That doesn't really appear to be his scream. And there's some mm-hmm. of that stuff um, because, of course, all that stuff's gotten better. It's mm-hmm. like watching a, uh, an episode. I saw an episode of the of the Rocks Rockford Files um, like a couple of years ago, and I was like, this editing is terrible. Where he like closes the car door, and you get the next scene, and then he closes the car door again, and things, and you're like, oh my god, they didn't even care. And part of it was that they're just. Hey, they shot it. They put it together. Like no one's gonna notice this. This part comes after the commercial or whatever. Who cares? And they, they people can only watch it once. They'll never notice. And I think with Star Wars too, there's little things like that in there. Where now, of course, people watch in slow motion. They take pictures of stuff that they notice and all of that stuff. So and so, I noticed somebody recently pointed out in the Sopranos a continuity error, and I was like, "This is no. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Like I want. I got to block it out. I can't." That I can't let my entertainment be ruined by things like this. But I think also in 1977, it's so crazy now, but they didn't expect anyone to watch it more than once. And even home video was kind of like a niche thing. And if you wanted to watch it, buy it for your home VHS, that thing was like $150. You couldn't just go buy it. Yeah, like this this one I have here, it came out in 1990. That's only like six years after, well, seven years after the last movie came out. It's probably only like the second or third time that this has actually been released on VHS at this point. 
Um, and maybe the first time is a trilogy, but it was, it is, uh, yeah, we did not, and I certainly, I did not own this growing up. I did not have a copy of Star Wars as a, as a kid. Uh, the only time I would ever see it is if it was on TV and, or if we rented it. Occasionally we would rent it if we felt like watching it from the video store, but I didn't own it until I was old enough to buy my own copy of it as a teenager, I guess. Um, so that, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, what else, what else you got? Um, okay, Darth Vader's Sith sense. <laughs> Sith sense. Okay, he never senses that his son Luke, his former best friend Obi Wan, and the droid he built himself, C three PO, are on his home planet of Tatooine. <laughs> All right, let's just pause and think about that for a second. So here's something else that Obi Wan series has to do. They have to explain, and I think probably it will. I think that that's a bit of a loophole to kind of, like he's the most powerful Sith in the galaxy, and he doesn't even none of that stuff ever comes together for him. Right. So I I think there's got to be some indication of something that prevents him from going there, or um, that he's in the dark about, or he's doing something else at the time, and certainly um, Obi Wan maiming him again a second time would would account for that it could account for that or the emperor could be hiding their presence from him or hiding them or something like that um yeah you know he does feel him once he's on the death star and he does see i feel the presence when i haven't feel you know that kind of thing but again yeah. no indication that although although you know darth vader at this point doesn't know that he has kids right he thinks they died he thinks his one child died in childbirth when padme died so right. he doesn't know about their existence I don't know how the force works or whether or not he could feel their presence, even if he doesn't know they exist. I don't know if that's possible or not. Um, well, he does, but the thing is, he does it on Cloud City. Is that what happens on Cloud City, or did he or find out some other way? He goes, I mean, when, when he finds out the when he finds out the kid's name is Luke Skywalker, I guess he puts two and two together, <laughs> right? But on Cloud City, he goes, he just goes, uh, Luke, and Luke is like, "What? Huh? Like, like he right. can reach out and call?" Right? Him. You're right. You're right. He does. But, yeah, but so. Um, uh, yeah, you know, you you can always explain it. Oh, his powers weren't weren't strong enough, and so forth, etc. There's a million ways to explain it, but it's odd that the rebel blockade runner stops above Tatooine, of all places. That R2D2 and C3PO land there. They've got a message for Ben Kenobi. Uh, like it's all planned. It was. I, I guess they imagined that that was going to happen, right? Well, that was that was the plan. By the way, I did watch Rogue One recently as well, so yeah. I'm, that is pretty fresh. And that is what happens in Rogue One. The plan is to send Leia to Tatooine to get Obi Wan, and that's what they're doing. And did, that's... They, did they say that in the movie? I yes. don't remember. Yeah, did they, they said. Oh, we have... they actually lay that out. Yep, they do. They said, "I've, I've a, um, we need to get somebody who could do something with it or something like that." And they, then he's like, "I know somebody. I trust her with my life or whatever." Remember, you see, um, what's his name say that? Jimmy Smith. Yeah, Jimmy Smith says that. I trust her with with my life. So, so he gives it to leia and it's uh, cgi leia and uh and then they you know and then the, then the real movie the first movie picks up like right away after, as soon as that scene ends in rogue one so um i don't know after after uh, we had that discussion about jimmy smith showing up and everything so i'm flipping the channels last week and there he is on the movie in the heights he's singing and dancing in the movie in the heights <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, there he is again. And then I flipped to something else and there he was again. Like he, he, he we got to go one, we're gonna have to take an episode where you look at his IMDB and just like Marvel. I like, and probably what happened was 
um, for Rogue One, he was shooting, he was singing and dancing on some set next door. And they're like, hey, Smith, we need you over on. And he walked in and went and, and did his lines or whatever. It was like, peace out. And goes back to the next, goes whatever to the next yep. one. So um, yeah, that, that guy gets around. And I, I, I did like seeing him in Rogue One, I have to say. I like yeah. that scene, but maybe I was so excited to see him. I don't remember what he said. That's the problem. <laughs> There's a couple of scenes where he shows up. And, and uh, yeah, that but that was... That was the plan. So they do go to Tatooine. That is initially the plan. Um, I don't think Leia has any idea that Luke is there. And all she's concerned about is seeing Obi-Wan. Right. Um, I can't assume that she's met Obi-Wan at all. Do you think we're going to see Leia at all in the new series? Or is that going to be... Um, oh, that'd be cool. I mean, that, that, that would be... That didn't even occur to me. The, she, we saw her in Rebels. She did show up early yeah. in Rebels. Uh, as a teenager, it was like 14-year-old Leia or something like that in, oh, in that cool. series. So, yeah, we could see a young I'm Leia. I'm all for it. Uh, I I just assume, I think we're, we we got to get the Luke Skywalker glamour shot from a distance. Um, I think that's <laughs> which still happen. looks good. I mean, the VHS yeah. version, of course, the sound's gonna be iffy. And this is, it's, I'm I'm blown away by the fact that this 30 year old tape still works. Um, look, I keep harping on it, uh, but uh, that you know, it's still good sound. It's still good. Like everything is still great about the movie. It's not like surround sound or whatever, but it's still fine. So. I have one more question for you right. about the film. Was was he or was he not? Was Jar Jar on Alderaan <laughs> when Alderaan blew up? Why, how would he be there? What is the logic that would put him there? He is a senator. Um, that's where uh, that's where uh, thought, uh, Leia was hanging out. That's where the de- uh, where uh, Jimmy Smith was. I don't think so. I think he would have been on Coruscant, wouldn't he? He was always on Coruscant after it's either we Naboo never or saw Coruscant. Him again. Well, we never saw him after the third movie, but uh, yeah, I think so where, that oh, is, is, that what, is that what people are saying that he's on Alderaan, so he's dead that's now? Always, that's always been speculation, but yeah. I mean, there's no, like, I don't, I looked closely at the at the planet blowing up and I didn't see his, his corpse flying around anywhere. <laughs> hey, they could add that in a future edition. <laughs> it's again, oh, I love that Alderaan. scene. Love that scene. You're far too trusting. I mean, he's so yeah. good. It's such a good scene. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, then they blow up her planet. But that's um, also got a, that's also got one of my favorite overseen bloopers, which is when um, uh, Leia doesn't know that Vader's behind her, and she backs up and bumps into him. Oh yeah. But then again, I guess it's not a. You could say Leia didn't know the character didn't know right. or whatever. But I do think it does look like the actor didn't know. Well, yeah, and it's just like the stormtrooper bumping his yeah. head as he goes into yeah. the uh, the room, like those things. It's funny that they leave those things in. Those are little things they yeah. leave in there, um, but yet they change all this other stuff. So anyway, it's because they can write fan fiction around them. <laughs> That's, right. That's why the story of the stormtrooper who couldn't see the door, <laughs> a novel by Timothy Zahn. Great. That's the next trilogy. That's that's what. Yeah, that's what what's his name is working on. By the way, uh, do you think uh, I would love it if they made those Heir to the Empire movies uh, into into uh, into something finished? And there is enough time. I get, but you couldn't make it the same way. That's the problem. There, there, there's enough time between the end of Return of the Jedi and the beginning of Force Awakens to do a trilogy. Oh, sure. That time period, but it, yeah. you couldn't tell the same story. Well, you'd have to have five new actors to play the, the roles because yeah. Luke isn't the right age to play. And I don't know if we want a full movie of him CGI'd over, you know, like. Well, it know. could be based in that time period, but not feature those characters. And part of what I think um, 
Filoni uh, and uh, Favreau are doing right now is setting up all the stuff that happens in that time period with the, the mention of Thrawn, the, um, you know, Ahsoka. Um, we're probably going to get uh, in the Ahsoka series, we'll see Ezra, we'll see Jason Schwartzman as Ezra for the first time, <laughs> for the first time. His, his wry, sardonic, sarcastic take on, on uh, Ezra. Um, I don't know. I just, I think that, that it's, it, there's a possibility, however remote it might be, that that's what Favreau is setting up uh, in Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, and who knows what else. Exactly. This, this, could, this could very easily come together, not in a movie, but a trilogy. Down or another series. I mean, they could just another keep series, doing series, yeah. right? They seem to really yeah. enjoy those. Disney's big on the series right now. Um, I saw, um, have you seen Shang-Chi yet in the, the Ten Rings? Yes. What'd I you have. think? So, so, yeah. I mean, I, I like him. I like him. Yeah, he's I like, great. I like the, yes, I like the actor. I like this, you know, he uh, brings a lot of delight uh, to his performance. I like Aquafina. <laughs> uh, even though her name is a brand name and I'm uncomfortable saying it. Um, and <laughs> not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. That's right. Not a, not a podcast sponsor. Um, but uh, I thought the story was a little. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're thought, right. And I thought the ending in particular was a bit of a slog. I was kind of hoping it was going <laughs> to take us somewhere different, but no, we have to get CGI dragons flying around. And, yeah. And, and, and we have to learn archery in a day. In order that was to great. It's like, those, dragons yeah so the uh the pitch meeting on that was like oh i have to learn archery so my character has something to do now <laughs> because that's right that that person didn't have anything to do anyway the only reason i mentioned him is because apparently he's a big star wars fan um mm -hmm. i saw him on uh hot ones he was on hot ones recently doing that hot wing thing and mm -hmm. they talked about star wars and he went on like without even being prompted Simulu went on a huge rant about the prequels and the poet like he just like and it was it was exactly something out of this podcast the actually the kind wow. of conversation we would have so he is legit and i'm like well this guy he's already got it in with disney he's already got a role in the star in the uh, marvel cinematic universe there's nothing to say he can't be in the next uh, star wars movie and i think they should he should start a campaign now because he got a he got into to mcu through a tweet right he tweeted well, at marvel that was the thing he, he's on kim's convenience and kim is in star kim wars. is in star wars that's so, right like, that's not hard i mean no. you have to lobby you have to lobby one dude yeah that's like, right like that's it tell your friend that you want to be on that show with him yeah and uh he and he tells filoni Next thing you know, you're with Trap Trapper John MD <laughs> fighting they, fighting they, space spiders. That that Rangers did it. Is that the one that got canceled? The Rangers in the New Republic? Yeah, are they still yeah. doing that? Okay, maybe I they can bring they it back. Are. Bring it back with him in it. I don't. Yeah, what well, I I didn't see any reason to not do that series. You don't need. You don't have to have Cara Dune in there. Who cares? Either way, I I want it to be the Bill Burr show, because they pretty much set it up right that mm -hmm. that he that he could be on that. But um, Bill Burr, Kim's Convenience. I'm sorry, I don't know any actors' names. Except no, I know. Burr. Um, and uh, and Shang Chi. You bring them all together on a Rangers of the New Republic. That would be amazing. I would I love, love that. that show. Yeah, that's great. I think he needs to be in the Star Wars universe. Um, any final thoughts on the, um, Star Wars before we move on? What is your rating? Oh God, this is so good. Four. I mean, this, and I'm I'm going to include the fact that I watched it on the VHS cape because I yeah. think that's a different experience, and I'm going to give it. Yeah. Um, uh seven out of ten. Oh, we gotta do it out of five, right? So no, I've got to give it a three and a half out of five. I give it uh five five out of five stars. It's the, for me the best Star Wars movie. Okay. I can't I cannot see I yeah, and I, I say there's flaws in it. I don't care. I All still right. think there's something about and plus, not to mention I give it 
um, bonus marks for even just being like, it's like, it's like teleporting to childhood for me to watch it. It's just, yes. it's just, it's got an, an element to it that none of the other films have, except maybe a little bit of the empire strikes back, but the other ones just don't quite get me there. But this one always does. Every time I watch it, I remember being in the theater and even being like, Ooh, R2D2's in some canyons and what's going on. Like, like every time I watch it, I sort of, re I, I remember that experience. That's great. So five, I, I gotta give it a five. Of course. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Star Wars Nerds. I'm Dan Vettabonker. I'm Kenton Larson. Don't let the force hit you in the ass. Now I am the master. I'm taking an awful risk, Vader. This had better work. Where did you dig up that old fossil?